0: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. I mean, they always have a big mouth. They always talk a lot. So <laughs> it happened before, it's going to happen again.
1: Welcome to another episode of Fantastic Tennis, where the fans get to know their favorite pros. I'm your host, John Garica. Each week, I'm joined by a major fan of the sport that, like most of us, love to talk, follow, play, and give their unsolicited opinions about the sport we all love. And to help balance that out, we're always joined by an expert of the game that has been there and knows exactly what it feels like to win those big matches. We get to pick their brain and ask all the questions we've always wanted to ask our favorite players. This is Fantastic Tennis. This week's fan guest is from New Orleans, Louisiana. He is a personal trainer that has worked out Grand Slam champions. He's a great tennis player because I've played him. He's also the creator of John Sloan's Big Easy Boot Camp. It's my buddy, John Sloan. John, what's up? How's it going? I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here too, man. Our guest today went all the way from winning the U.S. Open Junior Singles title to capturing the 2018 Women's Doubles title with current world number one, Ash Barty. She has two semifinal Grand Slam appearances as well as two Grand Slam mixed doubles finals under her Coco Chanel belt. And just recently, she was named World Team Tennis Finals MVP with her ridiculous deciding point forehand winner to secure the title for her team. Did you see that point, John? Yes, of course I did. I mean, back of the line. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, She's been as high as nine in the world and we can't wait to see her get back there. Let's get to know Coco Vandewey, everybody. Coco, what's up?
0: Hey guys, how's it going?
1: We're doing good, you know. Um, It's been a few months since we chatted. Things are, things, how are things? You okay?
0: Yes, things have gone up and down and and up, but um, I'm doing well. I'm back home in San Diego. I got my dog here next to me. So if she she looks at any time, it's, it's her. It's not some imagination right now.
1: Last time we chatted, Coco, uh, you were in Greenbrier, West Virginia, in what looked like a haunted hotel.
0: I hope my office doesn't look as haunted. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a little spin. It's, it's got some memorabilia hanging around. But other than that, got all my Fed Cup ribbons and got uh, Australian Open, my first Grand Slam uh, final with Horia DeCal, my number one guy, um, all framed up. And then a, a nice article that tennis.com did, my mom blew it up for me. And then I got. Other knickknacks that I've been given as gifts and all sorts of stuff from around the world.
1: I mean, do you feel like a veteran right now? You've been around for a little while already. I mean, I know yeah. you started at 14. I don't know if that's like, you know, you have that same mentality. Well,
0: I, the only reason I started at 14 was because I I won this local tournament in San Diego. And at the time, there was a bigger tournament at La Costa called the Accurate Classic. And little did I know, it got me a wild card into that tournament. So I wasn't planning on going pro at 14. Or at least playing a professional tournament. I didn't go pro at 14, but um, it was just happenstance. It was just good players were playing, and it was an open tournament, so all you had to do was pay 20 bucks, and I paid 20 bucks and entered. That's that's my story.
1: We're gonna talk about San Diego in a, in a little bit. Actually, your Instagram looks very active. You mentioned your dog, very cute German Shepherd. What's what's your dog's name?
0: Duchess. She is an old girl. She's she's sleeping on the floor. She is 12 years old, and she has been such a good girl.
1: If you want to check out Coco's dog, look at her Instagram. It's super cute. She just posted a photo about her. I do want to say, because I'm, I'm getting a lot of messages about you, and, and they all know that you recently had hand surgery last month. Everyone's eager to hear how you're doing. How are you?
0: Yeah, I've been keeping it under wraps just because it was such a freak accident, um, and I was on such a high when it happened. So if you want to believe the story or not, it's kind of weird. I was um, grabbing a bowl, like a cereal bowl, out of the microwave, and I guess it wasn't microwave space. And it exploded in my hand and cut my pinky and severed two ligaments and a nerve. And I know you guys can see the scar, but they can't. And so I had surgery three days later. And so I've been doing rehab on that for almost 10 weeks now. That
1: is insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like just trying to get my pinky to bend. Because when you sever both ligaments, you can't bend your finger. (laughs) It was two days after World Team Tennis. It was, I literally flew home, celebrated with my brother and his roommate, my boyfriend. And next day was just hanging out and was like, oh, I'd like a snack. So I heated up a snack. And
1: what's in the snack though? Now I'm very invested in this story right now. Like I'm like picturing something that it shouldn't be or like. So
0: I I get, I get mixed reviews on it. It was soup. So I only get mixed reviews because you're not supposed to microwave soup. You're supposed to put it on the stove top, but I wanted it like quick. So Hence the microwave. <laughs> I disagree.
1: I actually had microwave soup yesterday. So I, does that sound sad? I, when you say microwave soup, it just sounds sad, though. No, I don't, it's I, fall. I, no, I agree. Fall,
0: yeah. I mean, I'm a soup, I like chili, I like soup, I'm a warm drink and eat kind of person. All
1: right, safety and numbers. All right, you're doing better. You're rehabbing right now, right?
0: Yes, I'm rehabbing. I'm able to work out in the gym. I can't hold a tennis racket with my left hand yet just because of the nerve and they don't want me to re-rupture the ligament because it's so fine in the pinky, but... I'm playing right-handed only tennis. My one-handed slice is pretty good. It's going to be like Ash Barty status very soon, very soon.
1: You and Roger Federer both picked an amazing time to have surgery during the pandemic. So, you know.
0: Yes, yes. At least it's not real tennis being played right now. It's kind of like half on, half off tennis. All
1: right, guys, let's jump into it. We start each episode with recent tennis talks, but uh, it's the end of the season. The WTA is wrapping up in Linz uh, and the guys are are seemingly going to play until the ATP finals in London good for them. I want to pick your brains and get both fan and player perspectives on this fairly insane 2020 season. There were so many things that got us all talking. So I'd like to hear everyone's winners and also your dumpster fires. We'll call them unforced errors in this case, because, you know, we'll be a little kinder. <laughs> but um there were plenty of them. Coco, we'll start with you. I'm probably guessing the success of World Team Tennis was pretty great for you since you were front and center there.
0: Yes, that was kind of the first um, real action, if you want to call it real, that people saw of tennis day in and day out of what a bubble might look like. And definitely being a part of it and being in it, uh, that was very difficult. I didn't, before I hurt my hand, I was, I couldn't see the US Open happening. And I thought, my gosh, being in, the Greenbrier had so many things to do, but being stuck in some place off like in Long Island was like hell to me, basically. So, but seeing it happen, I was, I was shocked. I was shocked it went so well. So my, my personal, the best thing I think I saw was actually Jen Brady and her run. Cause I'm really good friends with yeah. Jen Brady and, and she's awesome girl. So personally, that is my fan favorite of what happened. And she's still going. She's in the quarters of, Ostrava. of uh, Austria. She's in Ostrava yeah. Ostrava. yeah. I was like, I've never seen that tournament in my it's life. A new one. Ostrava.
1: Cheers. Ostrava. Ostrava. It sounds like a cheers. I'll cheers to that. Can I just say World Team Tennis? I don't know, John, if you agree with me, World Team Tennis to me seemed like a big sorority fraternity slumber party kind of. Did it, did it seem like that? It just seemed like, you know, they're playing every single day you know, you see this, so they're like, they must be having fun. They must be drinking. They must be doing, occupying their time in some way. Did you think that John?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was, fun. I've never been invested in world team tennis before until this year. And I like watched every day. I was looking forward to it all the time.
1: You know, one of the highlights I would say was these alternative leagues like UTS. Charleston was such a cool thing too. Right after pandemic, you had all the WTA stars, you know, you had Madison and Jen Brady and uh, Bouchard come back. They played in Charleston, super successful. So yeah, that was like world team tennis that was a, I think a big success for me from the fan perspective john what about what about you john what, what were some highlights for you this year
2: uh well kim coming back and doing well in world team tennis was a highlight for me um watching new york win you guys were it was so fun especially that last match it was probably like the joyous one but uh naomi at uh, the u.s open was a highlight and all of the um attention she brought to black lives matter was awesome that did something to me. So those two were probably my highlight highlights.
1: Absolutely. I, I mean, I, again, I, I, it was, it was amazing. The U S open just to pull it off. Amazing. Actually. I loved, obviously I love the Vika Azarenka story this year too. I oh, love yeah. her big comeback coming back just full force, like killing it. I, I love that. I loved hearing that Roger, uh, Roger, obviously we talked about a little bit um having surgery. I'm, I'm hopeful. I say that as a highlight, cause I'm hoping that he's, that is prolonging his career a little bit. He's going to be back. Uh, you know, he'll play till forty, uh, like you, Coco. No. Right? You're going to play till forty. <laughs> no, you're not making a promise on the. No, this isn't a, pro- a podcast promise. <laughs> no chance.
0: <laughs> no chance. I'm. I'm getting. I'm getting terrified with those numbers. My little brother is turning nineteen this weekend, and I'm almost ten years older than he is. So it's scaring me. At, I'm t- about to turn twenty nine. So I'm like freaking out. But I totally agree with you with the Naomi point almost more so than the U S open butter Cincinnati stand of like, I'm not going to play. That was awesome. And I, I love that. I love the players being able to take a voice and take a stand for themselves. And I've never been a big political poster on, on my end. Um, I've always been raised that politics, sports, religion, they're all separate. So I never really touch on that, even though I get labeled a certain way. It is what it is. People can believe what they want, but I absolutely love that someone had the gall to be able to do that, to stand up for themselves, to stand up for what you believe in, even if it might be right, it might be wrong. It's awesome. And Vika, her run, I mean, she was struggling for year plus to try and like win back-to-back matches and to come back. And I know she was struggling with it mentally, as anyone would being the great champion that she is, and I i mean, I know a little bit from Ash, um, hearing about it, because Ash and I are good buds, but it's its amazing. I actually thought she was going to win the whole thing. I thought Vika was going to win it. I, I did. I really did. I also noticed that I think she stopped taking herself so seriously, like stopped taking herself so much as like, I am this ex-person of like such a high level, which she totally is, but if you have that idea, which I kind of faced when I was first coming back from my foot injury, was if you have such a high expectation of yourself and you keep falling short, even if you're winning matches, you're like, I used to play so much better than that. And you're always having that negativity just rolling in your head. It definitely like kills your confidence, even if you are winning, uh in smaller tournaments, big tournaments.
1: It's such a great summer. I mean, her spirit is so great for tennis. I love Vika Azarenka.
0: can't speak wrong of what she did because she made the finals of a US open. So I mean that's that's a heck of a run for sure.
1: I don't know what you thought, Coco. Really, I mean, but the French Open—it just looks so unfamiliar this year. You know that everyone's dressed like it was so cold. It just—it was indoors.
0: Oh, miserable. It looked miserable. Miserable. I'm sorry. I like. I don't. I don't mean to be that prima donna, but I would have hated being that cold. Like it's it's 70 degrees in California. I'm in long sleeves in my own house. Like. It's mainly because I'm too cheap to, like, (laughs) do a heat or anything. Not that you need heat at 70 degrees, but, like, I would have been miserable. Miserable.
1: Totally. Yeah. This year, you know, on the women's side, we saw Kennan and Sviatek win their first Grand Slams. You know, no one would have predicted this, but no one would have predicted 2020 ever. The men, you know, they followed suit. We saw the 56th meeting of Rafa and and Djokovic, which is insane. Insane. Do you know who you've played the most, Coco? Do, Do you keep track of somebody that you know that you've played like a lot?
0: I, I don't know, but I feel like it was Yelena Yankovic. I feel like I've played her a lot, a lot. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I've always been in and around in her area of the draw a lot of times, so, but someone could probably tell me But I think it's Yelena Yankovic off, off the top of my head.
1: We're, we're going to check. We're going to fact check that hey guys what about kind of the the questionable you know things that happened this year obviously it's 2020 there was a lot of up in the air no one knew communication wise we've talked to many players Coco. i don't know how you felt about communication and what's going to happen on the wta side for the rest of the year but you know a lot of players there was a lot of frustration there still continues to be john what do you think we'll start with you
2: uh, i i have no idea what's happening i look constantly <laughs> when the next tournament is they don't even have a schedule out for next year you know anything, Coco?
0: No, uh, it's, it's up to Australian government. They're really trying to get the Australian tournaments done. But as of right now, we would have to show up about mid-December, really? uh, like the 10th through the 17th, to be able to even compete in Australia, because we'd have to quarantine for 14 wow. days in a hotel room, like full on not leave. It's not like we could go practice and train. It's, it's full on quarantine. No way. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. The last press announcement was that they're going to try and pull it off. And, you know, obviously they have a little more, a little more information after the French and the U S open. They, they, they feel a little more confident maybe that they can happen, but, but you're right. Coco, I don't, I don't know how many players are want to travel and kind of do that. We'll see, you know, it's, um,
0: it's tough. I mean, it's like, what, what, more important to you at this given point in time i mean for me personally i know if it may not be like the the most popular opinion but that's i wouldn't leave my family.
1: completely understand what you're saying. I think it's going to be a um, hard pressed to find a lot of players that are going to want to put a question mark onto the travel and to see what they're going to do. So yeah, good luck, you know, to everybody.
0: It's kind of like the ones that chose not to play us open versus playing the French. I, there's no right and wrong answer. Honestly, it's just, that's kind of the thing that that's going to be one of, one of my like faults. <laughs> What's, what's your other? What, no, I'm waiting for John. John's got to finish up. John, what was yours?
2: Uh, Novak. Yeah. You know, like a hundred times over. Yeah,
1: you know, he was just everywhere this year. We talked about Novak. I felt like more than any player, the U.S. Open. It, it was just a tough, a tough year for him. His PR team is going to have to work uh, overtime, I feel like, next year to kind of do some damage control.
2: I was I was certain I was going to see that Lions woman in his box in Paris. I was certain. I was like, I, it's going to happen.
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, it was all year. It started in Serbia at the exhibition. Uh, it just kept going at the US Open. Also, him coming out in favor of that players union there weren't any women involved you know it, it just wasn't a good look all year long he's a champion he's a lot of people love him he has a very hardcore fan base I'm sure a lot of people will be listening to this that are that are big Novak fans there's no there's no disputing that he is one of the best players of all time but you know there was there was a humbling of of Djokovic this year uh Coco what were some of your your unforced errors
0: so I have three. Okay, um, let's go. Number one is COVID. Yeah. COVID's number one for me. I've heard
1: I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Number two is Djokovic as well. That was a big... Un- I'm mainly speaking about US Open and the Serbia tournament that just turned to all hell. Um, yeah. But also, number three, I'm going to say that lineswoman playing it nice. up a little bit too much, in my opinion, for how... Badly, she was hit. So that's that's my that's my number three. Djokovic was completely wrong in hitting the ball. I didn't like how big of a theatrics happened from her, but I would have loved to have seen her in his box in, in Paris. That would have been amazing. That would have been amazing.
1: That would have been so cool. But you've been on court. I'm sure, you know, has anything like that happened to you? I'm sure there's lots of accidents that happen. We know that it wasn't intentional. I mean, we're not, of course not. You know, No, of
0: course not. Of course not. I've never, I'm not a ball hitter. I, I don't do that um, all that much. The closest I've ever been was, I, I'm obviously I'm more of a racket breaker, <laughs> but um, the closest I've ever been was I took a ball. I missed the approach shot into the net against Alley Risk at Stanford. And I took the ball and I tossed it to the front row. Underhand, And I got called for a code violation point penalty wow. for doing that. So that's, that's the closest I've ever been.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Because I tossed it underhand to a fan in the front row at Stanford. Yeah. All right. It was a mess. It was a mess. Ever,
1: go YouTube that point. That's a good point, everybody.
0: It is. You can find the coaching with Craig afterwards where I called him out for coaching and I just spewed for like a minute of just like, hate, hate everybody. This is so stupid. And I have an iconic quote that a lot of people still text me. Um, is Not not that I want to create any flack from the WTA, but it's, the WTA is ruining our sports. That's That was my iconic quote that I've gotten a lot from a lot of other players is like mocking me. <laughs> and that was like my one thing I said to Craig. And all he said was, all right, you ready to surf? And so that was his only response. I was like, come on, give me a little bit. Give me a little bit.
1: A complete reset. Wow. I love it.
0: <laughs> we can talk about the, like, umpires versus the digital line calling of Hawkeye. I mean,
1: yeah, we talked about, you know, I've talked about it on a previous, you know, podcast as well. We we had a good conversation. You know, Clay, I don't know what what, what you feel, Coco. I mean, I'm sure you've had issues. I mean, when you have a, a chair umpire who's going to have to come and make that decision, and we're talking, you know, the Shop of Olive match, The you know, there were some crazy matches of the French that... We're playing for thousands. You're playing for, not we. We're not we. I would love your money. But you guys are playing for thousands of dollars, right? So to, those points are critical, right? So I would say from a fan perspective, I'd love to see you know Hawkeye on clay. Absolutely. You?
0: I, I, would, I would love it. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, as much as possible as Hawkeye can be involved. Obviously for a viewership and a fan perspective, it's great to have that human interaction. Us as players, hate it because my judgment isn't the same as yours versus the chair versus the guy that actually said the out call or the girl that said the out call. So that's the kind of like butting heads that we all deal with. But if there, that's why Hawkeye solves so many of those problems. It's like, all right, I don't agree with you. You don't agree with me challenge.
1: Yeah. Let's go to the, let's go to the, let's go to the video. Yeah, I agreed. You know, we still do that recreationally. I don't know if you do that, John, I'm playing all the time and I'm like, you know, Oh really? That ball was out, dude. You know, challenge. And it doesn't work for us because we're on like on a public court, (laughs) but still like, you know, I, I I love this idea of just being like, nope, challenge. I wish every public court had a Hawkeye. That would be amazing. Amazing. Hey, John, can we fan talk for, for a minute? Can we talk
0: about Coco? I'd love to.
1: Okay. I, Oh, please,
0: please. I'm ready.
1: I just want to, I want to say personally, I Coco, I love your on court demeanor as a fan. We always know where we stand with you. You're one of the few players that play so fiery, and it's it's just very appreciated because we see that you want it, and it you know for us we're invested. So, John, what do you think? What why are you such a Coco Vandewey fan?
2: Okay, where where do I begin?
1: I, I'm I'm thinking I, honestly, I'm thinking it's like the the second you found out that her grandmother was Miss America. That's what I think. <laughs>
0: I, I have her portrait over there, her Miss America portrait, um, hanging on above my fireplace. I've had that since I was a kid. I actually, yeah, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll show it to you guys afterwards so we won't break up this conversation too much, but it's, it's one of my favorite things. When I first got my own place, I was like, I, hopefully I have a place to fit that portrait because it's five feet tall. Um, but it's, it's all hand painted. It's amazing, but I've, I've grown up with a lot. I mean, she basically raised me. My grandparents lived with me. Since um I was 10 years old. So I've I've definitely had her influence on a lot of my life. And
1: that's strut. <laughs> that's strut. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <That's> her <laughs> doing. You can blame uh, Miss America for that strut if you like it or hate it.
2: <laughs> John, what are your what are your thoughts on Coco? Okay, so I don't know if you remember this match. You probably will. So this is my very first professional women's tennis tournament I ever went to. It was in San Diego in 2010. I grew up in Florida. And I played with a girl, John, you might know, it's because we're legit uh, WTA nerds.
1: Savants. I like to say savant, not nerd, but keep I'm going.
2: <laughs> right. So I grew up playing with a girl in Florida named Shanae Perry.
0: Oh, yeah. Remember her? Yes, I know Shanae. So yeah. um, yes, we were
2: yes. on the same zone. I love Shanae Perry, by the way. Yeah. We were on the same Zonal's team like 100 years ago. Anyway, she was playing in her, uh, she was in the third round of qualifying in, in San Diego. It was like one of Coco's first tournaments you were playing Sloan in the last round of qualifying. Do you remember this match? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Sloan had like a thousand match points in the second set. And I mean, everybody was on pins and needles. I like, I was glued to that match. I didn't even watch Shanae's because I was f- focused on this match. And I didn't really even care who won at the time, but that was the first time I had seen you play. And um, you were... The same way I was on court, and that's when I knew I was like, "Oh, I like this girl a lot. I know exactly what she's about." And you end up winning that match. I think like seven five in the third.
0: Yeah, it was um, super close, and it
2: lasted forever.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I re- I remember that. It was to qualify. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: you with that match.
0: But it was it was a tough match. I remember she she was should have won it, but I'll take the win. <laughs>
1: Definitely take the win. Oh, man, that's awesome. All right, guys, this is a good segue into uh, a game. This is going to be fun. All right, guys, we're going to play I-40 Love You. It's a fan versus favorite game. John, I'm going to ask you three questions about Coco and her career. Coco, I'll do the same by asking you three random questions about a total stranger you just met in John Sloan.
2: I, I 40 love you. How cute are you? Aw. thanks. thanks.
1: Uh, but the first question is going to serve as a coin toss, and it does not count as a correct answer for either of you. But in the event of a tie, this will be your tiebreaker. So it, this is important. It's the first game we're going to test okay. Coco's mind versus John's. We're going to see who ends up number one. It should be fairly simple, very straightforward. I know we're we're on Zoom right now, and it's, uh, you know, the lag time for a second, but we'll we'll try and stay stay on top. But, all right, here goes. Starting with Coco's first name, and then moving to her last name, without missing a beat, I need you to both alternate going back and forth with spelling the name Coco vandaway backwards. Oh. oh my god!
2: I thought you were going to ask me to
1: spell Colleen. Yeah,
0: yeah, that, do we not, yeah. Do
1: we not say that word? Is that like a? Uh, is that no, right? no, no, no.
0: That's that's my grandmother's okay. All right. No uh, uh, love that name, name, and that's who I'm named after. So I'm. That's that's kind of. Whole different story, but it's it's actually funny.
1: If this was Watch What Happens Live, it would the name would have been Colleen was what we're all drinking tonight, by the way. Oh, that God. would have been, it would have been to see how many times we said the word <laughs> Colleen. But now, now I've said oh, it four times, God. so we're going to get drunk. All right, guys, if we, we're going to go through without fail. You have one second. If you take longer, I'm going to be the chair umpire to give me a letter, to give Ooh. me a letter. Otherwise you forfeit the tie. It's going to, we got to move along here. We're not going to think about it. Okay. Uh, yeah. We
0: can't, we can't be waiting on this. Yeah.
1: We're just going to go. This is, we got other things to do. So we're going to start with this type record. John. We're going to start with you. So again, we're going from first name to last name backwards. Okay. I'm ready. All right, let's do it. John go. Oh, C. O.
2: C. E. D. Oh, man, I thought that would be a lot harder.
0: I mean, there's 10 letters in there. That was you were, you were quicker than I was. I was like going back thinking like, is he right? <laughs> <laughs> no, give give him the point. That's the way that it's my it's my name. I should know it.
1: <laughs> Correct. John, you're already up in the tiebreak. All right, we're going to start with you, John, about Coco. San Diego is an important city in Coco's career. In 2006, at the age of 14, she played her first WTA event as a wild card. And years later, in 2010, she would get her first top 10 victory as then-world 205 Coco defeated this world number nine Russian that got to number two in the world at her height. Who was Coco's first top 10 win against?
0: I know this. Crusher. Kuzi?
1: <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. No, that's not right. That's not right. I'm gonna have to take Kuzi. That's that's the answer. But I love you, and because she did get to two in the world, so it's like a, you know, it was a, it was legit. Coco, who? What's the answer? It was
0: uh, Vera Zvonareva.
1: Vera Zvonareva, absolutely. So, so I will say your relationship with it, with the city, is is pretty remarkable. There was such hype around you, Coco. You were getting main draw wild cards at 14 years old, and that's two years even before you won the U.S. Open junior title. I know I have a shitty memory, but do you remember do you remember that match at 14? That first match?
0: I, uh, yeah, I I lost to uh, uh Bondarenko. Which one? I can't remember. But it's the one it's it's not the one that's still playing. You
1: lo- you lost to Alona. Alone. Do you remember that Zvonareva match? That's a big match for you. Obviously, your first top 10 victory is is a big is a big deal. Vera is a cute, great player.
0: I do. It was a night match and it wasn't, it wasn't as, I, I remember, uh, as cocky as it sounds. I remember this distinctly. It wasn't that hard as I thought it would be to, to beat her. Like that's the one thing I remember distinctly. It was a night match and it wasn't as difficult to, to beat her as I thought it would be.
1: It was 6-4 in the third. It was a tight match, but you, you must have. Which,
0: yeah, I, I, I know it was tight, but I, I didn't feel that way, no. which is weird. Huh.
2: John, what year did you go to San Diego? Yeah, that's the same tournament you played Sloan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I quality and made quarters.
1: Those are some quality victories for sure. That's a yeah. right, John question for uh, Coco, question for you for John. You know, I've mentioned that John is a huge fan of yours, but he does have another favorite player that is a Grand Slam champion and that has actually taken some of his classes back in New Orleans. You also currently have a head-to-head a four to one against this person, with the last match being on clay back in 2018. So the question is: with whom do you share a place in John Sloan's big fat tennis heart? <laughs> Sloan? Yeah, Sloan. Sloan.
0: Good job. Coco, Coco's Coco's on
1: Coco's on the board. Damn it. <laughs> Coco, I don't want to talk necessarily about Sloan, but we can. But, but I would love to talk about your generation of American players because you all seem very tight. And I think in generations past, the top players were not always you know, didn't have the camaraderie that you did. You know, you have Madison Keyes, Shelby, Rogers, Sloan, we mentioned, Melanie Udan, Allison Risk, uh, Lauren Davis, Jen Brady, all of you seem pretty tight. I mean, we saw uh, most of you at Ali Risk Armitrage's wedding. Was it always this way? Were you guys in friends and juniors or was it more the Kathy Rinaldi and Fed Cup in the Olympics that kind of brought you guys together? How did that kind of manifest?
0: No, we we were not friends in juniors, quite honestly. It was, it was a lot of... uh eat or be eaten kind of atmosphere between all of us. Um, Obviously, there's exceptions like Shelby and I have been super close for a long time, as well as Ali and I risk. And uh, the other ones I've had to, I can only speak for myself, I've had to learn to like for different reasons, because I've been learning to not like them since I was a kid and as weird as that is
1: no not weird at all it makes complete sense
0: the easiest explanation for it and there's been different things with different players like Jenny Brady kind of just forced herself on on to me like liking her company not that I disliked her I just didn't know her and I was like (laughs) I (laughs) <laughs> You're such a weirdo. Like what are you doing talking to me?
1: From a person who's not around her all the time. I spent a couple hours with her and she was really cool. Just very very Yeah, cool. no, yeah.
0: super cool and and she's an awesome girl. I, I texted her right away and and she uh, immediately gave me crap for sending her something nice because obviously I'm not one to like say nice things for no reason so um that's that that was one of her first things but it's definitely i've had to learn to like a lot of these players and for different reasons not all said cup not all olympics or what have you it's just kind of like trial and error and and figuring it out
1: totally next next year uh obviously you guys are going to win the the billaging king cup you're all going to go out you're going to have like super fun party obviously after the vaccine right that's that's a that's a big yeah, deal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So who's the biggest party person? Who's who's celebrating the most in this in this group? And are we and are we karaoke? Is that happening too or no? Is that is that lame? Do we not do that anymore?
0: I can't I can't say that. I've always wanted to. I've just never um, been in the right setting to do it with the right group of people. But if I would say who's the biggest partier, it's me. <laughs> 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 I, I am Good answer. I'm the leader in the drinking, I'm the leader in like let's go out, let's continue. That that's definitely me. I, I definitely did that in pre Billie Jean cup it's it was fed cup so i definitely did that when we won in 2017 against belarus i was like we are staying up till 5 a.m i don't care we're ordering all the drinks like put it on the usca bill let's do this right
2: i knew i liked you
1: coco i knew it. i knew it john we're taking coco out the next time we're all together yes. please i'll i'll be i'll be going i i don't stop i don't stop Okay, so we're going to go, it's it's John's question now. Silly segue, but you know what else doesn't stop? Your serve doesn't stop, Coco. Coco's, John, question for you. The Coco serve is absolutely one of the best serves on the women's tour. She has two titles on grass, semifinal finish at the U.S. and the Australian Open. I will say your best results have come on, on hard and grass, but in 2018, you had that clay event in Stuttgart. You defeated three top 10 players en route to making the final. John, can you name any of those three players that Coco clay crushed during that event?
2: Yeah, Sloan, zero one. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right, John's on the board.
2: Is, is Stuttgart fast? Are the clay courts there fast?
0: It's indoor, so it's it's a little quicker. It's it's yeah. not much. Uh, it's kind of like playing in Madrid with the. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's it's similar like that.
2: Is that a lot of players say that that's their favorite tournament to go to? Why is that?
0: The Porsche. Well, you win a Porsche. You get to drive Porsches for free. You get to go to the Hugo Boss um, outlet store, the employee store. <laughs> um the player gifts they give you are insane and the food that they serve you which is across the street at the tournament is like Michelin star level stuff and I know this from being with Koozie after my first time ever playing that tournament not the 2018 I think it was 2017 I was with Koozie and she had lost I had just lost and we drank champagne there all night, they kicked us out, and we stole two bottles of champagne and put that our room. Coco, I like <laughs> you so much. So- that, and we were with Naomi Brody. It was Naomi Brody, Koozie, and myself. So that was that was the, the trio. It's my girl.
1: <laughs> I love it. Yes. Absolutely. All right, Coco. Um, question for you, number two about John Sloan. Coco, like you, John loves a messy episode from any real housewives franchise. Of all of all the housewives, past and present, and after I creepily stalked both of your Instagram followers. There's one housewife that you mutually both follow on Instagram. Which New York City housewife, Coco, do you think you and John share a love for? Dorinda? It's Dorinda. Yes, Dorinda! Well done. Dorinda's my all-time favorite. (laughs) Psychic connection.
0: Oh my God! Like freaking, Coco, we're the best. Like getting here. My God.
1: Coco's up on you though, John. Um, hey, Coco. You, you actually, you were on a reality TV show. You're on my tennis life on the tennis channel, season three. Oh
0: yeah, my own reality. I was like, what? Oh yeah, my own.
1: <laughs> what was it like having cameras follow you around? Was that? It
0: wasn't. It was my <laughs> cell phone. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. You get to pick and choose what what you send in. Then I guess you get to edit yourself. So there's no excuse.
0: Hi. Kind of. Yes. So I I get to choose what I send in, but also they final edit. So a lot of the times I wouldn't send in enough content because there wasn't like enough that they could use for one reason or another. And I'll be like, you know, they would take a bulk of what I would send them and they would tell me always like, there's not enough content here. Like, we need you to send you more. And I was like, you're going to get a lot of crap. Like, you're just going to get a lot of me and my friends doing shenanigans. I thought, like, this is kind of going to be somewhat... I thought you guys wanted to see, like, me being professional. But in reality, it was like... wanted to see me, like, goof off with my friends.
2: And I'm not blowing wind up your skirt either. You were uh, an excellent commentator this summer. Uh, genuinely, you were so good.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was so nervous doing it for the first, like two three minutes because i didn't really get it um as far as like the cadence of like when to talk because i'm so used to just like like this someone interviewing me and having a conversation with the two of you guys and then it was like i i luckily my mom was a sports commentator for basketball so i texted her before and like how do i do this i mean she trained and what and like that's what she went to school for and so she just gave me like two tips and was like good luck have fun
2: you were great
1: yeah no absolutely Uh, you know my favorite commentators are you you know, Renee Stubbs and Lindsay Davenport, these people, Chanda Rubin, Mary Carrillo. I mean, all these players that have been right there. I mean, uh, obviously, even hearing you right from you right now, you just want to listen. Yeah, you've been on the court. What the <laughs> hell do I know? You know, I, I can only throw stones. You know, you've been in the glass house. So, all right. Last question on this round for for John. Wait, who's winning? Coco's right. winning. I'm sorry, John. But come on, you got the tie break. All right. You need you need this one.
0: I'm not competitive, I swear. I
1: swear. <laughs> Coco has played 13 players that have reached number one during their professional career, not including exhibitions. We're talking ITF and WTA events. And of those 13 Coco loves to show up. She's beaten eight of them. So John, can you name the eight number ones that Coco has beaten? If you do, I know Coco and I will be quite impressed if you do. Oh
2: my God. Okay. Um, that's one Yankovic.
1: That's two. Um, 13? Eight. Well, she's played 13. She's beaten eight. We're going to go with eight.
2: Okay. Um,
0: Talked about it in San Diego, the
2: match I won. Zva- she wasn't number one, was she? she no?
0: no, she wasn't? No. Nope. Okay, I lied. JK, don't listen
1: to me. <laughs> uh, Venus? Oh, we stopped there, John. Damn it! It's all right. She's played Venus for sure. I wish. I mean, it was... That was pretty close. We're talking Australian Open. That was, no, I remember. that was Kerber. one of my favorite matches. Yeah. You remember the other? So we, we said Pliskova. We've said Yankovic. Who else?
0: Kerber. Um, Halep. Halep. Um, Kuzi. No. I've never beaten her. I've never played. I don't know.
1: Kuzi got to two. Yeah, she didn't get to one. That's what I was going to say. I don't
0: know. Goodness. You
1: beat, you beat Nash.
0: Oh, yes. I have beaten Nash. Um, Bartoli, Did she gets no. She didn't get to one. That was stupid. That was no.
1: Um. But you beat you beat Garbina. Oh
0: yeah, I forgot she was. Number you beat one. her
1: three times. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah.
1: And and Caroline, that was number eight.
0: Oh, Wasniewski. Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 So, right.
0: I think we both lost at that one. I I didn't even know that.
1: Coco, of those matches, you is there one that you think back and you're like, hell yeah, that was like, I'm you pat yourself on the back. That was like really great. I I love that match. I've never beaten somebody number one in the world. I mean, uh, you have, but I mean. Those are some good wins.
0: Um, there's a couple. I mean, there there's three off the top of my head. One is Kerber at Australia. 100%. That was a big monumental point. She was defending champ. So that was a big win. And then these are abstract, but Ivanovic... Um, and Yankovic, I beat them back to back
1: days yeah, in Canada.
0: In Montreal. I qualified and did that. And that was for me to break into, I think, like top 60 in the world.
1: I want to say three set matches, too. They were Rumbles, too.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were back to back days. So I was, but those were like, two very pivotal moments in my career of like yankovic ivanovich i belong i can do this i just qualified i'm exhausted this is like my sixth match at this tournament this this is great and then beating kerber and then what i actually did at that australian open was a huge huge win and kind of the fashion that i beat kerber in was a very dominant fashion of of play so um those those three matches i'm gonna call them three
1: years from now, when you, when you're going to show your, your grandkids and they're like, grandma Coco, can I see you, you know, a match of yours? I hope you show them that Kerber match because that was, that was a different level. You know, that was, um,
0: The shrug, the shrug afterwards.
1: <laughs> Any Coco Vandeweghe fan looks at that match and says, you know, that's, that's quintessential Coco. So bravo to you. Good one. Um, all right. Let- I thought you
2: said Pliskova US Open for sure was a, a big one. That,
0: that was, a, that was a big one. It was, I've never really done well at the US Open it's over always kind of overwhelmed me before that 2017 run and I I remember there's so many things that could have overwhelmed me that day but honestly that Pliskova match was so underwhelming to me versus the Aga match that I won that year because Aga was such a difficult opponent to me that I had never really beaten I mean I only beat her once at Birmingham but the way it happened it was three sets it was tough but uh before the Plushkova match i was warming up after rafa i had to kick rafa off the court because he was going longer <laughs> and it was just like freak out central i was like dude i need to get my like 30 yeah. minutes that, that i'm allowed here on on ash and it's the roof was closed and it was it was wild it was wild and it was kind of like push i don't mention because it was like i was saying a letdown after the aga huh. match it's similar to kind of like when i played lucy so i played aga then lucy then uh, i think pushkova and that that um yeah. so like the lucy pushkova was just kind of like a run through where i was like such a letdown after aga because i was just so emotionally spent and like i was so sore playing lucy i was like just survive just survive and then pushkova i was just on cruise control i i didn't think didn't do anything i just seemed rolled forward
1: and just yeah john i don't know i don't know how you feel but like i these players the the red wanskas the sui she the the martine hingises of the world like i feel like i have my rivals that i play who have similar game styles i have to gear myself up on a recreational you know i i, I play college tennis you know I, i'm i'm fairly decent i'm nowhere you know on, on coco's level but still like I, you have to that's a different playing style that we're not used to i've played you john you like to hit the ball hard too you know we, we have similar styles we like to we like to ball bash so uh, you know give me a drop shot and i'm just like uh all right i'll i'll meet you at the bar that's fine you could do that all day that's
2: fine yeah. so you know
1: bravo to kudos to you
0: oh those drop shots they suck
2: <laughs> who do you hate to play the most like if you see them in the draw who are who you like oh jesus like if that the person you fear or not fear but like to have a Like, something happens gutturally to you. Like, I don't want to play this person.
0: Oh, there's, I mean, there's tons. But um, (laughs) before she retired, it was Red Wanska. I really did not like playing her. So it's kind of a pusher, counterpuncher. So Sophia Kennan would replace her, in my mind. Um, Really? Less craft than Red Wanska had, but still kind of the same yanking, getting toyed with, Um, feeling about it yeah Yeah. and and it's and also she can shockingly throw in like a really fast shot somewhere which is kind of Yankovic style where she would like i've only played her once but um i'm itching for it
1: yeah that's good all right coco last question for you uh about john You're going to have to go on your intuition, but I feel like there's like a connection between you two. So I'm feeling this good vibe right now. We've spent an hour together, so I'll make this multiple choice though. There is nothing quite like Halloween in New Orleans. John is no stranger to dressing up and absolutely loves Halloween. If you check out his Instagram, you're going to see various costumes from different occasions like Mardi Gras from all over the years. Which of the following looks has John Sloan not attempted to recreate over the years? Is it A, a delusional 2020 Karen? Is it B? A baseball uniform Marla Hooch from A League of Their Own. Is it C, a member of the 2016 Rio Olympics U.S. women's gymnastics team in red spandex? Or is it D, a Bethany Maddox-Sands high sock wacky tennis look?
0: I'm going to go with 2020, Karen.
2: John, what's the answer? Bethany Maddox-Sands. Bethany, damn! I
0: didn't, I didn't keep your Instagram. I didn't stock enough. I, I, I apologize. I loved your Karen
1: though. If you check out, if you check out John's Instagram. Okay. All right.
0: I'll take a look. I'll take a look for sure. I'll, I'll look straight after this.
1: Coco, are you a, are you a Halloween person? You and your boyfriend do you celebrate? I know it's it's kind of like at the end of the season, so I would think it's like one of the only holidays you guys get to kind of be at home and like participate in.
0: So this this um Kyle, my boyfriend. Um we've been seeing each other for almost 2 years, but this is the first Halloween. Coco,
1: that's my husband's name. Really? Kyle. Oh
0: my god, We are so twinning. Oh my god. <laughs> He's
1: right, he just got married to Kyle. That's
0: congratulations. Um but I Thank I'm you. never home for Halloween. I I'm usually finishing up in Asia or something like that it's always a weird time
1: but speaking of bethany can i can we just talk about your doubles for for one second
0: yeah was doubles
1: something that you had to get better at or because you're a fucking phenomenal doubles player obviously you've you really are i mean if you if you match your serve with with anyone's you know, great volley! What a compliment that is. I mean, that's I love watching you play doubles, and you've played with Bethany, you played with Hingis, Ash. We've talked about Jack Sock, Bob Bryan. I mean, what what great partners! And you played Roger Federer in doubles.
0: I did, yeah, I did. So I
1: mean, that that doubles is pretty cool for you. What what is doubles for you?
0: I actually hated doubles. <laughs> well, so I, I hated doubles as a junior because I I played up. So I was playing about two years older than I actually was, and I'm a very shy person. I'm not as much as everyone sees my outgoing personality in tennis. I'm not the extrovert of going out and saying hi to somebody. Um, that's just not my personality. So I never asked anyone to play doubles. I always waited till somebody asked me, and if they did, I never said no. So it didn't matter who it was, best player, worst player. So that was my junior career in doubles. But then when I started playing professionally. I just played with my friends and goofed around it, it didn't really much matter to me I played with Shelby a couple times and and different people but then when I first started working with Craig he wanted me to play doubles every week and I was yeah. like one I don't like anyone enough to do that <laughs> because like you gotta spend a lot of time with this person and be okay with them screwing up and also them being okay with you not. But I ended up playing with Annalena Gronefeld. And that was my first solid week in, week out doubles partner. And she kind of taught me how to play doubles. Her coach helped a lot, Torsten, of positioning, what to do. something, Something like that made it okay for me to go play doubles. I was always very comfortable at the net with volleys and things like that. And it was actually the best practice I ever had. I hate practice. So this was great because I'd be on stadium courts most of the time because you're later in the week and the courts are empty. So I got the experience of being on these stadium courts that I didn't have in singles yet. So by the time I finally made it out there in singles, I was like, I played on doubles here like three times over already. This is easy. And then I went play with Martina Hingis, who was, a great mentor and leader more so in my singles than anything because she would mm-hmm. come out and watch my singles. She would practice with me every day. Um, she was crazy about it. Like in a good, good crazy, w- like wanted to be out there more than longer than I did and would make Craig hit with her and things like that. It was, it was quite funny to watch, but also like just also watching her mind work was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards I didn't play doubles for a long time. I didn't play for almost a year and then Ash asked me to play, said, yeah, maybe I'll think about it because I was already top 10 at that time. And I was like, I don't know if I have time to play doubles because it's a lot of commitment of top 10, which if you ever get a chance, you should get Kim Kleister's on here to talk about it. But she, she said it really well. It's just so time consuming and energy consuming of all the things that you guys don't see besides playing of what the WCA or the tournaments or the Grand Slams ask you to do for them that It's so draining if you're not a personality that's an extrovert, which I'm not. Kim's not really. And it was almost too much. And so finally, I was not really enjoying tennis in 2018. And I was playing with Ash and having a good time playing with Ash. And she kind of got me back liking tennis in 2018. And then I got injured. So I said, deuces, Ash. I'm going to win the U.S. Open with you, kill it at Singapore, and then go on vacation to Thailand. You won't see me again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. All right. That was the last question. It's two to one. Coco Vandewey is the winner of fan versus favorite. It's okay. We're all winners. I'll take the win. I'll take the win. <laughs> all right. Real quick, before we wrap up, I have a couple fan questions. You've got mail. You have Aaron from Adelaide, Australia is asking, what is one part of your game that has improved the most since you made your debut on the tour? And also he wants to know who's the better golfer you or Ash Barty. <laughs>
0: uh, my backhand has made the best improvement um and then i am obviously ash is has been a hack she is all these things she's terrible Um, uh, no she, we're we're pretty even actually she she plays a lot more than i do uh, so as far as like talent i'm more talented because i don't play as much <laughs> and this is all self-proclaimed naturally once together so it, it was and we got a little hammered so it was fun <laughs>
1: There you go, Aaron. All right. Last fan question. Lyric Riley from Pensacola, Florida says, Coco, I followed your story very closely last year with your struggle with CRPS. And I also recently read that you just had hand surgery in September. Where are you with your rehab? What are your plans for 2021? Just know that we're all pulling for you. So thanks, Lyric. Um, we talked a little bit at the at the top of the pod Uh about, about the hand, but yeah, crazy injury has been not your, not your friend in the past couple of years. So that's why it's going to be so much sweeter when, when you're past all this, right?
0: Oh, totally. I mean, you said it, it's, it's, it's a combination of like, you, you always want what you can't have. And I really want to play tennis right now. And like, I kind of tennis all that much. And then I got injured and, uh, with the PS in my foot and didn't know if I was able to walk, run or do anything athletic let alone tennis at a professional level. So I was very on and off as as to my mental fortitude as to the rehab, because the rehab is so painful with CRPS that it makes you not want to do it. Just think of like walking in and every time someone touches you, it's like an electric shock and it's like burning. It's it's all these things. Um, But with the hand, it was such a freak accident and I was on such a high when it happened and I was getting back into tennis and I was really liking it. I was struggling, yes, On a professional level But I was really enjoying the struggle again It it kind of felt like when I was first starting out On the Challenger Tour And Mm. to have this happen to my hand I mean I was just like you gotta be kidding me I I remember being in the ER I passed out twice because I'm not a blood person So I was in the ER and I was like Don't touch my hand sobbing Because no one else could come in with me during COVID So I was by myself And so I was just freaking out I'm like I hope no one touched it Like I need my hand Like freaking out and so luckily I found out they didn't do anything. They just closed it up and disinfected it, all that stuff. But um, the rehab's still ongoing. Um, I'm looking forward to 2021. You probably won't see me until around March, probably, um, if I was to give a guess. But right now I'm still in the early stages of the therapy. So I'm just guessing right now. It could be earlier. Who knows, um, honestly. Perfect
1: timing for that Southern California tournament that we love. We love it in Wells, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I You know, I play in, I play I in
1: a certain way. It's pretty good. Last fan question is from, is from John. John, what's your fan question for Coco Vandeway?
2: Yes. Go for it. Oh, I have two. I'll, I'll go first one quick. Um, tell me about your necklace that you always wear and why you put it in um, that part of your.
0: Uh, the screen. left side of my bra. Yes. Yeah, my bra strap. Um, so this necklace is an um, Indian head. It's a gold coin. Um, all the girls in my family have one. My, younger girl cousin, uh Cassie, she was the last one to get one. My great grandmother bought a bunch of them and just basically ran out of girls. <laughs> I mean, ran out of coins to give to the to the girls. Um mine was made into a necklace but the coin is kind of the family heirloom. And then I, I tuck it into my left side because it stays a lot better because I move my right arm a lot more because it's long and it kind of just hits me in the face if I don't tuck it away. Yeah, yeah. now so it's like a superstition. Like when I get up to the net and they're doing the coin toss, I put it to the left and I'm ready to go. I love it. Yeah.
2: I, obviously, I have one that's kind of like the same because we're connecting today. Mine's a longer story, but I'm not going to bore you with it, though. Second one, if you could play with anybody, you're like, first, who your idol is, and then if you could play with anybody, doubles, past or present, who would you play with?
0: Um, I, have, I have a few idols. I have three. So, Lindsay Davenport, Jennifer Capriotti, and Kim Kleisters. Those, those were my favorite players. One, I love Chen Capriotti's fila outfit with the stars and stripes at that one U.S. Open. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about.
1: Of course, it's iconic. Of course, we are. <laughs> Come on. that's silly. That's like that's like that's like first grade of WTA. I mean, you know. Anyway, keep going. So
0: I so I wanted that outfit. I, I I got to meet her because the WTA Championships were at Staples Center in L.A. So I got to meet her when my uncle introduced us, and somehow he knew her. And she was super nice, super friendly to me. And then Lindsay, um, she kind of mentored me when I first turned pro at um, 16, 17. And she hit with me at Miami. was super nice. Let me stay at her place in Laguna for a couple of times when I was traveling up there to go train. And Kim, I've always always loved her demeanor. I loved her fight. And I mean, I I love her even more experiencing one-on-one time with her during World Team Tennis. But also I've kind of shared... I mean, not that it's important to her, but like I've shared like important memories for myself. I mean, my first title, she presented me the trophy, watched the whole match, talked to me afterwards. Um, And then also I before I was even anyone, I asked to train with her and she said, yeah, if you want to drive out to Holland, we can train. And I didn't end up actually doing it. But those are like the two big memories before we experienced World Team Tennis together.
1: All right, Coco, we're finishing up right now. It's called 15 Love. It's 15 rapid-fire questions. Just give me the first thing that comes off of your head, okay? All right. All right, here we go. Would you rather return on the deuce side or the ad side?
0: Ooh, right now, ad side. That was the winning point, but I play deuce with Ash and every other doubles partner I've ever played with.
1: Name a celebrity or tennis player that someone has mistaken you for. Ah.
0: Oh, I get mistaken um, for a lot of Russians actually, but Kiki Burton's—I get mistaken for her.
1: Fair, <laughs> Kiki and Coco people. That, that sounds yeah. like a very American thing. I think I think only Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your favorite tournament to play?
0: Uh, Stanford, when it was there, but it's not there anymore.
1: A nickname someone you love calls you? Uh, see the signature Coco Vandeweghe cocktail.
0: Um, I've I've been going for the gin martini, but usually it's a margarita.
1: Your favorite concert you've ever been to? JC. First app you look at when you wake up in the morning? Instagram. You're a world-class tennis player. Name something you're awful at, Coco. Uh,
0: my handwriting is very poor. I'm disappointed in it. I want to be better at that.
1: Oh, that's funny. Your favorite TV show to watch over and over?
0: Um, Housewives or Vanderpump.
1: Both good. So, something that is left on your bucket list?
0: Uh, I think, uh, well, I really want to go to Ireland. I, I want to go there. I want to go to Greece. There's It's more traveling. Traveling based. There's a couple countries I really want to hit.
1: Get those passports, Kyles. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Name a time on court. You were very proud of yourself. Set cup. First thing that comes to mind when I say Sharapova. Uh, <laughs> beating me at Wimbledon. then. Name a male or female player that you don't know, but would seem like you would have a really good time with if you hung out with him.
0: Well, I know curious, but I I, I know we have a good time together and I know him. So that's not fair. Um, Tony Paul, probably. I don't know yeah. him.
1: Describe yourself off court in one word. Quiet. Last question. Looking back on your time in tennis, what do you think you'll be remembered for, Coco? Was it a particular match, a moment, maybe something you said? What do you think right now?
0: Uh, I I think a particular moment. I think I'll be remembered for the whole Cup journey that we had there at Team USA with all my teammates that were a part of it from first tie to last tie. That was my bucket list as a professional player to do. And I did it. And to win it and to win one of my best friends was amazing. And and, um, drinking the the president's vodka was extra special. And I don't like vodka. I don't like vodka, but I enjoyed it. If it's the president of Belarus and he gives it to you, you're drinking the vodka.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, I've had such a great hour with you both. I want to thank my guests for joining us today. If you're in New Orleans, check out John Sloan's Big Easy Bootcamp. John, are you still streaming your classes online?
2: Uh, yeah, Romney Studios. Yeah,
0: um, I'm gonna have to take one for fun.
2: Uh, please do. That makes me so happy. As
0: long as I don't, ha- I don't need my left hand. Uh, we're good to go. <laughs>
2: For info, you can
1: follow him at John Sloan. It's missing the E. Um, Our awesome guest can be found at Coco Vandy on both Instagram and Twitter. Coco, always fun chatting with you. Anytime, anytime at all. And guys, when you're there on social media, please, uh, when you're following John and Coco, please follow us on Instagram at Fantastic Tennis Pod or on the Twitter handle at the same name. I really appreciate the support, everybody. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day.